Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Level up your listening with Bose QuietComfort Ultra Earbuds and Headphones with immersive sound and world-class noise cancellation for a not-so-silent night. Visit Bose.com slash Spotify to shop sound that's more than a present. Hey, you are listening to Oh Crap Parenting with me, your host, Jamie Gorlacki. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. So, you know, we're in the age of so much information being put in front of us. And as a quote unquote expert, I love the availability of experts online. It's like I do YouTube videos and Instagram reels and the podcast goes up on YouTube. And so you can like see me if you want to. <laughs> but what it's really highlighting is how few clothes I have. I know that seems like a very first world problem, which it is, but I don't like to shop and I have like five outfits and I'm keenly aware of, I probably look like I'm wearing the same thing every day because I am. (laughs) So (laughs) I just want to acknowledge that I know that and I guess I have to be okay with it because I hate to shop. But I also want to bring back like, let's get quality clothes pieces and just wear them every day. You know, (laughs) I did see a girl on Instagram one time say, this is my favorite dress. I'm going to wear it all the time. You don't have to tell me that I'm wearing it again. I know because it's my favorite dress. And so I kind of feel this way. If you're not watching, I'm wearing a nice sweatshirt that I bought. That's kind of, I don't know, peachy mauve something, but I love it. And I'm wearing it again. (laughs) All right. Which brings us to too many options, right? I feel like part of The angst of parenting these days is too many options. So I have lived my life in a very intentional manner. And I really, that's kind of going to be the bulk of this podcast, intentional living. But I intentionally have opted out of various systems. I opted out of public school because it wasn't how I saw my life and my family life unfolding. And In the past eight to 10 weeks, I have been off my rocker, stressed and busy, like so busy. The hunting season began September 15th. I haven't even been able to go out once. I have been just balls to the walls, almost in tears, in overwhelm, collapsing, exhausted in bed. And it is not how I live my life. And to be certain, many things happened kind of all at once. And one was, well, two were very big, exciting projects that sort of just came into my lap suddenly and I had to take advantage of, and they were kind of rushed. But these things came up that made me, you know, I had spent the whole summer rewriting OCRAP Body Training for the 10th anniversary uh, revision. And I had planned a couple of trips. I had planned some fun things. I had planned some like time off and like a little downtime because the summer was busy with writing. And then these opportunities sort of dropped in my lap and I'm grateful for them, but I was insane. Now, on top of that, I have gotten an addition built on my little cottage, just like a, 
a mudroom and a bedroom, a bigger bedroom for me. And it's going to be like my podcast space. I'm all excited. But everything, various components took so long to get in that my contractor ran into another contract he had, which was building a whole house. And that house has issues and whatnot. So it's been a lengthy process, to say the least. And so it's taken a lot longer. And so parts of the addition folded into these busy eight to 10 weeks. And holy crap. So this is the first house I've ever owned. And these are the first decisions I've had to make on an addition. So I don't know if you've ever remodeled or had to make these kinds of decisions, built something from scratch. It is mind numbing. So I envisioned my room as like a bright yellow with a wood floor. I had no idea that there are 8,000 shades of yellow. I had no idea that like trim was a separate thing. I never even thought of trim. Like every house I've ever lived in, the trim is sort of, I don't know, natural or white. It just always blends in. I never thought of it. I never knew that you had to pick colors of hinges and screws that go into the hinges. Like I was like, oh my God. The contractor's like, you know, what kind of doorknobs do you want? And I was like, I don't know, like the kind that open a door. (laughs) And I'm also not this right along with clothes. This is something I don't care for and I don't have the capacity. And I know other people do more power to you. I'm just not that persnickety. I also think that this house, it's not a high value house. It's a little stone cottage in the middle of the woods. It's got a dirt foundation. It's not a high value house, right? So I'm not necessarily concerned about resale value or, you know, keeping it in a certain condition and Nobody sees it. It could be falling apart. <laughs> Nobody sees it. It's, it's not visible from the road. And so these are little details that I don't care about. But of course, there's 8,000 shades of yellow and floor options. Holy shit. There are like 80 billion kinds of floors. And I was just bowled over because these are like big decisions. Other things I was like, I just told the contractor, like, pick something. I don't care. Like, I really don't care. And then I really felt strongly, you know, the color and the floor matter. So I was in tears with the options. It was so overwhelming. And it really made me think, it made me think of two things and you guys and the season of parenting you're in. And that is, we have too many options. That's making parenting worse. Like how many times do you have to stop and decide on a product? and do a little research, right? And so those options, like we think it's a good thing, but I'm not so sure. I kind of wish there were three floors to choose from and everybody had one of them and that's it, right? (laughs) Like think of how much headspace we would free up without all the options. Like when you've got to get a new car, when you've got to get any sort of decision in your life and even clothing, that's what it overwhelms me, the options in clothing. So I'd rather just wear like the same five things I have till they get holes in them. <laughs> but I, I wanted to mention that because I think a lot of times we feel overwhelmed. We feel maybe even guilty. Like, why am I drowning? Why can't I get my head above water? Why does it seem that, you know, some people are definitely moms in the past didn't have this overwhelm. And that's a large portion of it. Like we think options are better, but they're not. And it also really brought home the point that I bring up a lot with kids, which is don't give them too many options. Don't give them too many toys to play with. When you give options, it should be two options so they can make one choice or the other because the overwhelm is no joke. And I don't think I'm a baby. I think I'm just like, I'm not acclimated to all these options in flooring and paint. And I could not believe I was on emotional edge. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to pick. I don't know what to pick. Now imagine if I was three with all these options, you know? 
So remember that it feels like freedom to have so many options, but in a way it's its own sort of cage, right? Of having to choose and constantly being in overwhelm. So before I get into that and living more intentional life, I wanted to address, I've heard this from several people, so I'm not going to read exact questions from Patreon, but I am going to just sort of encapsulate it all into one. And that is a very anxious preschooler who doesn't care for school and really doesn't seem to have friends, doesn't like the children, cries when it's time to go, or is just lackluster. It's like, fine, I'll do it because you're making me. And parents are curious of like, do I switch schools? You know, do I take them out? I have the availability. Certainly, I understand that people, some kids are in preschool because parents are working and because you may not have a choice. You may not have a choice in preschools. You may only have limited choices in your area. But, you know, with these particular people that have asked me, they have options of keeping the child home. I hate when people say they're homeschooling preschool because I think most people do. We're always educating our kids, but taking a more, you know, homeschool approach, maybe homeschooling elementary school. So, what I also have consistently heard is a spouse who disagrees and a spouse who says, no, they have to get tough. They have to suffer through things they don't like. Uh, this is real life. And so we have that flip side. And I think it is a worthwhile question because we do have very soft kids, <laughs> like very, very soft kids. And I do think we try too, far too hard to make things okay for them. However, in preschool, I think you should love school. and. I recently, I belong to an archery club and we have these big events on, you know, maybe twice a month. And I am in charge of the kitchen and cooking for the events. And there's several women who get there. You need certain work hours, right? It's almost like a co-op and certain women help out for various times. And this woman who teaches second grade came in, I think it was a couple of weeks ago and she just looked great. And I said, Hey, how's your school year going? You know, and she said, Oh my God, it's fantastic. And I was like, really? Gosh, you look so happy, especially after like last time I saw you was kind of the end of the year, which of course I understand it's the end of the year. You're kind of strung out. She said, no, I decided I'm going against all the rules. And she said, the administration, the bureaucracy wants me to do this and it's killing kids. It's killing their way of learning. She's like, second grade, second grade, you should be high on school. You should be loving school. So if school's not working at that age, what are we doing? Because they got another 10 years of this. Like, this is crazy. And she said, so I went back to how I taught 10 years ago. I am super engaged with the kids and we're connecting and we're having fun in the classroom and they are learning, but they're learning the way I know how to teach, which is this way so that they're loving school. And I was like, oh my goodness, my heart almost exploded because I was like, yes, I think it's fascinating that we have first graders already lying about being sick right? Like they don't want to go to school. Why is that? And this isn't a plug for homeschooling. <laughs> Although I am an advocate, as you guys know. But I think in preschool, the kids should love school. I'll bring up another example. A really good friend of mine has a daughter who is all fire. And not only is she fire and she's strong and stubborn, but she is highly reactionary. And she came into the world like this. Like she just is just kind of hard you kind of have to really win her over, earn her trust. And even then you're going to get some, some straight kind of mean looks from her. Like she's a hard kid. Wonderful, wonderful once you got an in, but she is often felt like she's misunderstood, which is making her harder. She's in fourth grade and she was at a public school, very close to their home ideal. And she could 
not handle that school. And it got so bad that she was rowing desks. She was constantly in the principal's office, constantly being sent home. And you could tell, you know, my friend really struggled with this, came with, came to me for a lot of advice because the teachers were also getting reactionary. You know, that when you have a situation like that, the adults in the room aren't being the adults in the room either. They start getting like on the kid's level, you know, and I always say in parenting, if you find yourself saying, no, you did it first, you've lost the battle, guys. You're not the adult in the room. You've gone down to your child's level, right? And so the adults were behaving badly. And I was like, dude, I don't know. Do you have the option to change schools? Because I feel like this poor kid now has dug herself a hole, right? We're human beings. And we dig ourselves into holes of behavior because once somebody else starts reacting to us, then we react, then they react, then we react, and you get these negative feedback loops, right? So she ended up applying to a charter school, a local charter school. You know, it's farther away. The kid's going to have to take a bus. And they got in. And this school is like everybody freaking wants to be in this school. They garden. Their food for lunch comes from the vegetable garden. It's like it's like everything you want in a school. The teachers, they go by like Miss in the first name. And they, everybody, they really look at behavior as communication. If there's a problem, they have meetings about it. Everybody's involved. Everybody takes accountability for their part in it. They slow down all these like big reaction events that happen with kids. Really lovely school. But the dad, my friend's husband was like, no, 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 no. She's got to stick it out. She's got to stick it out. Life isn't going to coddle her. It's not always going to be this great school. Like she's going to have a hard time. And and my friend talked to him and like, we got to give it a try. She's going nowhere in this other school. She's constantly being punished. But more than that, like her emotions are constantly on defense mode and, and survival mode. So they ended up getting her into the school. The dad was like, fine, we'll try it, but I don't like it. And the kid is thriving thriving. She's always just felt so misunderstood that these meetings have helped her express her emotions in a healthy way. She is just doing so great. Like my friend is in tears nearly every day because she's like, I I don't have to dread picking up my phone with a text from the principal. They're handling things, even situations, you know, the kid still gets into some altercations a little bit, but the parents are understanding, the teachers are understanding, they break it down for her and like really teach this emotional wisdom. Now, I know not everybody has that, It's just an idea for you that, yes, environment can change everything for a kid. So if you're stuck in a position where your child is not liking school already at preschool, if you're stuck and you can't make a move anywhere, try to get to the root of it and try to get a clean slate. A lot of times it just means a new teacher. It really does. And I've had several, more than several people be able to switch classrooms, switch teachers, change the scenery. The kid gets a fresh start, so to speak, and then the kid is more available, more emotionally wise, can handle their emotions better. Usually it's not just completely different, but there's a better dynamic going on with the teacher and the kids. So if you have the availability to keep your child home at that age, I would just do that as well. Preschool is a tender age. Yes, there's some socialization aspects, but if your child doesn't like to go and doesn't really resonate with any of the kids, is that socialization happening? I think it'd be far better to start a little play group in your community, in your neighborhood, hopefully, so that the child has friends nearby and going that route. Because again, I think we have to look at this in stages. Yes, kids have to do things they hate all the time, but they shouldn't be crying about it, right? Like, especially at these young ages, I would say all of elementary school, it shouldn't be that hard because the hard stuff's going to come. The academics is going to bump up. Puberty is going to hit. Hormones are going to rage. Like social interactions are only going to get harder and more complicated. Like at this age, 
absolutely things are going to happen still between kids, but it should be a general sense of loving and loving their lives, right? They shouldn't be like wildly, deeply in their core unhappy. I wanted to answer that question because it's coming up a lot. I don't know what's happening that so many preschoolers are unhappy, but it is coming up a lot. And it could just be that there's too much early academics. You know, again, I'll probably end up saying this over and over and over again. The work of childhood is play to build the core muscles in order to sit and focus and write and draw and do the things necessary in elementary school. When we rush preschoolers to hold a pencil, to write their name, to start learning words, it's inappropriate. They have convergence issues in their sight. They just don't have the core muscles. They should be playing. So if you're in a school that has like hardcore academics and your child is unhappy, that very well could be the reason. And I see that a lot. Remember, big play is the thing that really builds those muscles so that they can sit and focus and write and have penmanship and all that later on. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus. But I wanted to spend some time talking about an intentional life. And I had said a little bit about this. I think in the sports, like, does your kid have to do organized sports? And one of the things that I see happening, and I've seen it happening as a homeschooler, you know, obviously I'm very lucky, very fortunate to have a job. I work from home that I can generally make my own schedule, be available for my son, homeschool, those sorts of things. But it's allowed me to be kind of an observer to the outside world because I'm not caught in it. It's very hard having gone to kindergarten in half of first grade with Pascal, gone through that, the treadmill of life keeps you so kind of on the edge of overwhelm that it's very hard to see things objectively often. So I've been able to sort of step outside that system and see how the ball gets rolling in this sort of treadmill that you can never get off of. And it really ramps up. I've mentioned this several times on this podcast that Pascal would go to his friends, his five best friends are in public school, public high school, and he would come home nearly shaking, calling it secondary stress about the college application, colleges, the families were, everybody was on Tinder hooks. Everybody was on eggshells, just like pressure on the kids. And these kids get so much shit for social media that's causing anxiety and depression. And for sure that contributes. But nobody's talking about the push of academics and how that's contributing to anxiety and depression. Five of his friends on antidepressants, two on anti-ulcer medicines in high school. I think that's telling. It folds in though, part of that, it's not just academic pressure, it's not being left behind in anything. We talked a little bit about that with sports. Like if you don't start your five-year-old in soccer, good luck getting them on a good team at nine. They're washed up, they're old. So as a society, we've gone crazy and we're headed at breakneck speed to nowhere. We're headed at breakneck speed to depression, anxiety, fragility, kids who feel unmotivated to be self-starters, to make mistakes, to want an easy path because it's stressful. Everything is stressful. And yes, there should be some stressors. We want stressors. Stressors are good for the human condition. However, we don't want to head at breakneck speed to bad things, right? And so 
I was recently on a podcast and the interviewer asked me at the end, what's your best parenting advice? And for years, you know, especially if I'm focused on potty training, I always say like the potty training process is not a measurement of your parenting. You know, more recently I have said, you know, take the help. If anybody offers help, take the help, take the donut, right? I've told that story before. Thoreau went to Walden Pond to get clarity. He wanted to be out in nature, right? He wanted to be out in nature and commune with nature and think deep thoughts and not have to be concerned with life. Like he went to Walden Pond to do that. And good stuff came out of Walden Pond for sure with Thoreau. But later it was found out that every day his mom and his sister brought him a plate of hot donuts. And so the literary world was pretty shocked. They were like, oh my God, he didn't go out in nature. He wasn't by himself. He wasn't roughing it. His parents, you know, his mom brought him donuts, hot donuts every day. And one of my favorite performance artists, her name's Amanda Palmer, writes about this in her book, The Art of Asking. And she said, yeah, take the donut, take the fucking donut. Like, who cares? He still thought really deep thoughts, right? And so take the donut has become a mantra of mine, which is when somebody offers help, take the help. It doesn't matter. Hey, hey, can I do some grocery shopping for you? You look overwhelmed. Yes, yes. If you have a new baby, take all the help. <laughs> if you don't have a new baby, if anybody offers anything, uh, take it. So that used to be my parenting advice. And so this podcast that I was on was a very thoughtful conversation. We bounced all over the place and she, you know, asked me that question. And I said, you know, in this moment, I'm changing my entire parenting advice. And that is slow down. And I mean that not as a cliche, not as like, oh, we all need a slower life, not to play into the trope that is right now, you know, homesteading's really big, slow summers are really big. Really, we need to slow down. And I think there were so many benefits to the lockdowns of the pandemic, so many non, more non than, <laughs> than benefits. But the slowing down, parents came at me, not at me, like in a bad way, parents came to me saying, oh my God, my kid just loves this. My kid is having a blast. My kid just, it's like they want to stay home all the time. I was like, yeah, they do. They do. They don't want to be rushed around. So like we have the opportunity to create this intentional life of like, not having a lockdown where we can't do anything, right? And even homeschooling sucked because homeschoolers rarely stay home. But having those things available to us, but not necessarily being rushed. And so even after the pandemic, once we kind of quote unquote got back to real life, people dove right back into breakneck speed. And if your children are under the age of six, you have to slow down. Even in the six to 12, if it's activity after activity after activity, Remember, those are largely adult-led. They're not children-led. So your child is barely taking initiatives. They may have ideas, but those ideas usually have to go through the adult, right? Kids need to play on their own. They need to have time. And I know, I know your neighborhood kids are all probably in activities. But I think we forget the power of intentionality and that we get to choose a lot of our lives. And people say, well, I don't have a choice. We both have to work full-time. That is still a choice. You could choose something else and it might mean being, being poor. It might mean taking a big hit financially, but it is a choice. You know, I worked with a dad one time who was just exhausted and he was like, yeah, but I don't have a choice. I have to go make money. And I said, no, you don't. There's plenty of dads who take off. Like you're making a choice, a choice I believe in, a choice I think you absolutely should, should take, but I'm not approving of dads who just take off, but they do, you know? And so you are making a solid choice and just reframing it like that can help, right? It doesn't make you feel such a victim of your life. I'm saying this because in the eight to 10 weeks that I just got so busy, I had to keep reminding myself of that, is that, listen, 
this is overwhelming, but you also chose to take these opportunities. So suck it up, buttercup. This is your choice. And I also recognize that this is not choices I will ever make again, that I don't like to be on that treadmill. I want to savor this life and I want to savor this life with my child. And I will never tell you guys like, oh, you know, every moment's precious. They're going to get older so fast. Like, no, I know how hellacious your days are and how endless they are. You don't have to appreciate every second. But I will tell you this, it goes fast. And it really hit me. You know, Pascal's in his senior. He's on his way out. And so I'm going to be by myself, you know, (laughs) and he's going to go and he's going to create his own life. And I'm just going to be a tiny slice of that now. And so I have made choices to make my life very, very intentional. How do we want to spend our time? How can I create more time together? How can I make more connection time for us? Because it's not going to be like this. And I just recently saw a graph where it showed time spent with your parents. And after the age of 19, it goes down almost 100% because you get girlfriends, boyfriends, you get engaged, you have a career, you might move away. So I'm not trying to rush you guys. So I'm not, that's not my message. Please don't take that away that like, you don't have to enjoy every minute. It's not going to be enjoyable. But when you look at your life on the whole, are you creating the life you want? And that can be basic things and that can be big philosophical things. One of the things that happened when Pascal was six years old, I don't know, I was like doing dishes. I like to reevaluate my life every I would say six to eight weeks. Like, is everything going in the direction I want it? Does something need to change? Do I feel too tired? Do I need to switch up whatever? Food, movement, life schedules, what's going on? I like to reevaluate that often. And I was kind of doing dishes and reflecting on how things were going. And I was like, you know, I always pictured a more musical home. So in San Francisco, back in the day, even before I was a social worker, when I was performing, I had a piano. I had this great Victorian flat in San Francisco in Pacific Heights, which is a highly sought after area. It had like a turret, you know, it had one of those round turrets and top floor. It was great. And we would have these artist salons and we, people would come over with instruments and, you know, we'd smoke and we'd drink and we'd play music and make up songs and make up plays and scenarios and skits. And it was just fun. We had these salons and I was like, oh, you know, having a kid, I thought I would create more of those. But I wasn't creating more of those. And I was like, huh, I wonder what, like I always imagined at least us playing instruments together. And it occurred to me that he hadn't started an instrument. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, did you think he was just going to start playing an instrument on his own? (laughs) So I had this, I had this vision of like these artist salons and playing music and him playing music with his friends, but I wasn't doing anything to foster the music. Right. And granted he was only six. So he got his drums and he started playing drums and now he plays drums and guitar really well. And I think that's a really good example of like, why isn't my visioning happening? You know, I have this, this vision or I have some idea of what I thought this would look like. And then I'm doing nothing to foster that. So I think it is a good idea to re-evaluate the intentionality of your life. What did it look like? What did it look like before you had kids? Did you have a vision? Was it family meals around a big wooden table? Was it your kids cooking in the kitchen with you and handing down your grandmother's recipes while they're stirring the pot and they the huge Dutch oven that's been handed down for generations. You know, whatever your vision, that's my vision, <laughs> but whatever your vision is, are you doing the things that are going to get you that vision? Yeah. That make your dreams come true. And I'm talking about minor dreams, minor dreams, like connecting with your kid, like, 
okay, did you envision heart to heart talks with your daughter? And that's not happening, but is it not happening? Cause you're rushing through life and there's too many activities and you know, you're trying to keep up cause you don't want your kid left behind, but in the process, you as a family is being left behind. And that's what I see. I see this pull away from family. And I think the nuclear family is sort of been one of our downfalls when we look at the village, right? Like we've become so insular in the nuclear family that we don't let anybody else in. But I also think that that connection has to be there because that's where you get cooperative behavior. That's where you get just calm and not chaos throughout your day and not running. And why are we so exhausted? I think that's so important. It's not just the mental load on moms. It's not. There's something else happening. Like, why are we so exhausted? Can we backtrack that? What can we do to slow things down for our kids, for our family, for what we want in our lives? And I just feel like that is one of the biggest missing pieces right now. Reverse engineering it. How can we slow it down? Can we give up some of the things? And yes, you might be the oddball whose kids isn't in sports, or you might be the oddball whose kids can't do all the activities. And I know, especially if you have one or two or oddly spaced kids, you know, that that can be challenging. I always had the one. So if I wasn't part of some activities, it'd be lonely for him, right? So there's always a balancing act. But I do think that we all have the right to live an intentional life. And by that, again, meaning we're doing the things we intend for today, but for the future too. What is that going to look like? And are we going in the right direction? Because it's okay. We all go through hard seasons. When Pascal was playing baseball, and I started coaching baseball, me, coaching baseball. Yeah. <laughs> no one could have foreseen that. <laughs> so those were hard days. They were later nights, you know, and there are just, there are seasons where we're going to be rushed. There are seasons when opportunities come and we're going to be rushed. But if we never get off that treadmill, we may not be living the life we want. And I have been seeing a lot of kickback recently online about sports and like sort of the degradation of the family unit because of it, because it gets intense. It gets intense in middle school and it gets really intense in high school. And so it's like, did you intend on this being this way? And what are the benefits and what are the risks? What are the cons? I think that's really worth seeking out. And at these young ages, certainly elementary school, most certainly under six years old, you really get to create the life you want. You are not going to have control is really the wrong word, but control over your child's schedule, you know, not control over your child necessarily, but you get to choose. They're not so peer oriented. Their friendships are going to go in and out. It's not going to be, they're not going to be as tied to their peers as they will be in middle school and high school. So I just wanted to brief you guys on that, like the intentional life, choosing what you really want and does it look like the way you want. And I think it's really good to evaluate that every, every so often and be like, mm, I don't know where we took a left turn, but we're not headed in the right direction. Let's back this train up. All right. I'm going to log off for today. As always, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you on Patreon. My patrons are asking great questions in there, creating community. It's awesome. And as always, rock on and have a beautiful day. Okay. Bye everyone. Just a reminder, if you need additional resources, I have Oh Crap Potty Training. I have Oh Crap, I Have a Toddler. Those books are available everywhere you want to find a book. <laughs> you can also go to my website, jamieglowacki.com, where you can book private sessions with me, buy any of my courses. Those are really geared towards potty training help. And also I'm on Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore and I'm not on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, jamie.glowacki, and I do a lot of lives and uh, usually posting a lot of good information. So those are extra resources for you. 
And as always, rock on. Have an awesome day. 